Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this great and glorious subject that we get to look forward to as your children. The day we will stand before you in glory. Lord, help us, help us as we go through this passage to um, encourage our hearts to be more faithful, more diligent, more committed to you than ever before. Because we're, we're, we're working our way. We're going through this life. We're training and we're working our way towards that grand finale where we stand before you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, I want you to see it in your Bible for yourself, so turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. That's right. We're, Calvary Chapel, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But before I teach on the 1 Corinthians passage, i got to take you to this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 tells us what the event is, and then our passage in 1 Corinthians tells us how to prepare for it. You there say amen. amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Reading from the ESV version. So what I want to do now is look at this verse, and I want to answer four questions. The who, what, where, and when. The first one is who. Who is this for? It says right there, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul is talking about himself and the, and the believers. He's talking about believers in Jesus Christ. He's talking about Christians. He's not talking about unbelievers. Unbelievers will stand before what we call the great white throne of judgment. If you wake up on the other side and you're at the great white throne of judgment, something has gone terribly wrong. Okay? That's a judgment at the end of the age where Christ will judge the ungodly before they go to a place called hell. That is what drives evangelism. That is what drives missions. So they won't stand at the great white throne of judgment, but they'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ. So the, um, every person will appear at a judgment seat. It's just a matter of which one the judgment seat of Christ, or the great white throne of judgment. But to answer my question of who, this is believers. For we, Paul's talking about Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ? It's to evaluate our, our faithfulness. It's to stand before him and to be, re, to be rewarded. It's not, I repeat, it's not a judgment of salvation. It is not a judgment of salvation. That judgment 
took place at Calvary when Jesus died on the cross and you received him as your Lord and Savior. Man, you are locked and cocked and you are saved by grace through faith alone in Calvary alone and by his resurrection from the dead. Um, sin was judged at the cross. The, the, um, the judgment seat of Christ is to evaluate what we did with our time, our talents, and our treasures. You know, what we did with our life. What did we do with what God gave us after we become a Christian? Okay? This is after you become a Christian. You become a born-again Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. And, and God shows you things. He gives you gifts. And he says, here, Neely, I want you to use this gift to minister to those ladies on the Air Force Base in Germany that she's going to next month. It's, it's here, Monty. These, these people that, that, that you're having an impact on and that you're able to touch, it's, it's just those gifts that he will evaluate us for, what we do with our gifts after we become a Christian. Next question is, where? Where will it take place? It says there in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment seat that we get was where we get the word bima from. The bima is a raised platform. Back in the uh, Isthmus games that took place in Corinth and back in those ancient games, there was a, a bima seat. It was a raised platform where all the Olympians and all the people who, who, who competed in all the competitions, they would come and stand before the bima seat. And those ancient Olympians would be awarded reefs. They would be given awards. And that, so it's going to, so where? It's going to take place at the Bema seat of Christ. In heaven, there's an elevated throne where Jesus sits. He's high and exalted. There's an elevated throne. It's a glorious throne. It's a beautiful throne. It's a majestic throne. And you're going to get to see it. You're going to get to see this glorious, majestic throne where the Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. But the Bema seat is a raised platform. It's in heaven. It's where the Lord Jesus Christ is. And one day we'll stand before him and we'll get to see that Bema seat. Um, finally, when? When will it take place? Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in just a minute. And if you read it, this passage is in context with the passage that we're fixing to go to. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. It will take place when Jesus returns. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, teach us on what we call the rapture. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, and the voice of the archangels, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive shall be caught up, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. We will go to a place called heaven, and for seven years, while the earth is going through a seven-year tribulation period, is what scripture teaches and we, it will take place then. We will stand before him uh, after the rapture while we're in heaven. So it will take place, to answer the question of when, it will take place when Christ returns. No man, we, we're not even going to speculate on the day or the hour. Because what does scripture say? 
No man knows the day. No man knows the hour. It'll come like a thief in the night. We don't know when, but we've got to be prepared. And we can be prepared by living, him, living for him, loving him, and serving him. Amen? That's what it's all about. So that's the who, what, where, and when. The big question now becomes, okay, David, there's this judgment seat of Christ coming. There's this grand finale that we need to prepare our lives for. The next question becomes, how do I prepare myself? How do I get ready? How can I know I'm ready? How can I get ready for this judgment seat of Christ? Now let's turn to our verse-by-verse study. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 11 through 23. Get a couple amens that were there, and we'll roll. Amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Let's look at the first principle on how to prepare for the judgment seat of Christ. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Foundational principle number one is our foundation has to be Jesus. We have to, a person has to receive him, believe him, trust him, and he has to be living on the inside. Our foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ and living for him. He is our foundation, our faith in him and, and, and living for him. Verse 12, you, gotta, you, have to, it has to be, you have to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Verse 12, now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. Wow. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's works have six commodities here from the most expensive to the cheapest from the strongest to the to the weakest three six commodities there three can be burned up three cannot be destroyed you know gold cannot be destroyed you can melt it it can transform and go from liquid to solid but you can't destroy gold you cannot destroy gold but on the other hand straw wood hay and stubble woof It'll go up super quick. The, the smallest, the most tiniest amount of gold is worth more than the biggest bale of hay. And our life has to be built on these metals. The, it says here, gold, silver, and precious stones. That's what we want to build our life on. Two questions for you to, to see where you're at in life. Does your life and ministry follow God's word. Does your life and ministry follow God's word? When we follow God's word, just the simple teaching of God's word, and we apply it to our lives, we are building our life on gold, silver, and precious stones. When we follow God's word, you know, uh, we have all these Bible stu- we have Bible studies on Tuesday nights. We're not going through the book of Judges just to fill our heads with knowledge. We're going through the book of Judges so we can learn and understand and apply it to our lives so that we have gold nuggets as we live for Christ. Second question I ask for you concerning gold, silver, and precious stones is what are we doing? Are we faithful with our time, talents, and treasures? With what God has given us since we become a Christian? Are we, are we faithful to it? Are, 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 are we working 
on gold, per se? Are, are, are we giving of our time? Are we giving of our talents? You know, I believe the Holy Spirit, he places things on people's hearts. He says, here, I, I'm going I'm to give you this, and I want you to go serve in that area. Or I'm going to give you this, and I want you to go um, minister to this person. We've got to be faithful in those things. Because that's where we're building, uh, that's where we build on our gold, silver, and stone. The, uh, the second category there, the ones that burn up, is the wood, wood, hay, and straw. Question for you. Do you follow the world's wisdom or do we follow God's wisdom? When we follow worldly wisdom, we're building on wood, hay, and straw. When we, when we follow God's wisdom, we're building on, on gold, silver, and precious metals. Question for you. Just think about this for a minute. Who's smarter? Who's smarter? God or man? Who is smarter? Let's go with the one who's smarter and who's wiser and who's sovereign. God. The wood, hay, and straw uh, is when we operate in the flesh, when we, when we operate with wrong motives. We've got to examine our hearts in ministry. I've got, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I've got a lot of wood, hay, and stubble that I've, I've examined over my Christian life. I've got a lot of wood, hay, and stubble, and it's going to be burned up. And I look back at it, and I say, you know what it was? I had the wrong motive. I had the wrong motive. My motive for serving in that ministry was about myself and not Jesus. For that is wood, hay, and stubble. But when I say, God, I want to do this for you. I want to serve you, Lord Jesus. Then we go from wood, hay, and stubble to gold, silver, and precious metals. That's what it's about, amen? That's what, that's what, this, that's what this judgment seat is about, is, is, um, is building on gold, silver, and precious metals. Look at verse 13 in your Bibles. Look at verse 13. It says, each man, this, this is like, think about this now as you read this, what this is going to be like. Look at verse 13. Each man's works will become evident. For the day will show it because it is revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's works. We're going to get before heaven, stand before the throne of God. All of our works are going to be put into a big pile. And I'm going, I'm going a little off text now. I'm going a little off. And these torches are going to come out from front of the throne. And your pie, your, all your works, the torches are going to torch it. And light it. And everything that was wood, hay, and stubble is going to be burned up. And what's left will be our gold, silver, and precious metals. And only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done for Jesus will last. Only what's done for the Lord will last. Only what's done with the right motive will last. So, so important. So important as we serve the Lord, we do it for him. We do it for him first. Amen? Amen. Verse 14. Um, if any man's works which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. Now, I had a lot on this. It says he will receive a reward. Anybody ever studied the crowns in the Bible? 
There's, they call it the five crowns in the Bible. There's the, the imperishable crown. There's the crown of rejoicing. There's the crown of righteousness. There's uh, the crown of glory. There's the crown of life. I just want to put that in one nutshell is this. You're going to receive a crown for serving the Lord. We're going to receive a crown. But, but don't put it on too tightly. Don't put it on too tightly. Don't squeeze it down too tight. Because not too long after that, you're going to take it back and you're going to throw it at his feet. And say, Lord Jesus, no, you are worthy. You are worthy. What I want you to see in, um, in this verse, and in verse 15, look at the first four words in verses 14 and 15. The NASB says this, the first four words in verse 14, if any man's work. Verse 15, if any man's work. The thing I want to point out to you there is when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and I mentioned this earlier, it's going to be you and you alone. Your pastor will not be there. Your, your husband, your wife, your children. I won't be there saying, hey, he came to my church. A, a, a priest won't be there. Nobody will be there. It will be you and the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory and all his splendor standing before his throne. It will be you and you alone. You know, you can't go to heaven on the coattails of your parents' faith. You can't go to heaven on the coattails of your spouse's faith. You have to have faith in Christ. You have to trust him. You have to live for him. Not based on anything else. He's, I'm not, when I stand before the Lord, he's not going to be like, well, you went to Calvary Chapel. And then do a Calvary Chapel. It's going to be like, you trusted in me. You trusted in me. That's what it's going to be about. Amen? All right. Verse 15. If any man's works is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through the fire. As I said again a while ago, this is not a judgment of salvation. This is for faithfulness, and this is for rewards. Our salvation was judged at Calvary. That's very important. Because if you fall into that slippery slope, you'll start thinking that you have to work your way to heaven, and you don't. It's by grace through faith alone in Calvary. Our works, our faithfulness, is just a response of our love. Oh, Jesus, you're so awesome and so magnificent that I want to serve you, and I want to do these things for you. But I want to add this one little thing at the judgment seat of Christ. I believe there's going to be some tears there. I believe there's going to be some tears at the judgment seat of Christ. Revelation 21 4 says there will be tears in heaven and Jesus will wipe them away. Now, I understand, I've studied the passage. I understand that Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, is in the context of pain and suffering. But I think at the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be some tears. And I think this is what I think it's going to be missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. We're going to get there. We're going to be like, oh my goodness. This is so magnificent. This is so awesome. I wish I would have done more back there. I wish I would have done more. But I think there might be some tears, some missed opportunities. Man, I wish I would have done more. Because it's going to be so glorious. It's going to be so awesome. You can be so overfilled with joy and peace. Like, like you've never experienced. It's going to be this awesome, magnificent experience to stand before him. But I'm afraid we might think back to our missed opportunities. 
Could be. Could be. Verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Now, in the Old Testament, if, what happened if they defiled the temple or the tabernacle? They, they dropped dead. They would drop dead. That's how serious God took the temple and the tabernacle. That's how serious he, 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 took, he considered the events that took place in the tabernacle and the temple. And now, today, God does not dwell in buildings, in structures. Where does he dwell? He dwells inside of us. This passage, it speaks to us of how important, how, how important it is for our heart to be right before him. And for us not to do things to defile our temple. What destroys our temple? I grew up, I got to say, in the Pentecostal church. And they really, they really used this verse to teach, you know, that it was by the things you did, smoking, drinking, and all that. But I don't think that's what it is. I, I think what destroys the temple is, is false teaching. It's false teaching. When, when people come in and teach things that are false or that are against the gospel. That's what destroys the temple. That's what will wreck your Christian life is, is when you fall into false teachings. False teachings that deny the deity of Jesus, deny his death on the cross, deny his resurrection, deny the virgin birth, deny the inspiration of scripture. Those things are so important. And we have to hold to those core essential truths of biblical Christianity and holding to what the Bible says. Amen? That's how we keep this temple pure. That's how we keep this temple holy, is by living for him and, 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 and staying in his word and staying away from false teaching. Let's look at verse 18. It says, uh, Let no man deceive himself. If any man, if any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise. They are useless. Now the question you have to ask as you look at this text here is why is Paul going to great extent to discredit uh, worldly wisdom? Because the Corinthians... In this culture, they placed a premium on, on the wisdom of the age, of the philosophers of the age. This was an age where there was philosophy and, and all kind of teachings. And, and, and look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. He says, and again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise. They are, the NASB uses the word useless. It means the, the reasonings of the wise, the wisdom of the world, is futile, it's empty, and it's vain. It's futile and it's empty and it's vain. This book right here, the wisdom in this book, is all the wisdom we need for life and godliness. This book right here is, all, is what we need for his, for his wisdom in, to operate in our life. And part of being a Christian, part, part of growing after you become a Christian is growing 
is breaking away from worldly wisdom and accepting the truth of God's word. We, we got to grow in, 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 in his word and grow in this wisdom and not let the world wash our minds, but let what wash our minds? The word. Amen? Amen. Let's wrap this passage up. Verse 21. I, I love this closing here. Verses 21 through 23. Um, love it. Here it goes. Verse 21. So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Two times, when the Bible says something one time, we need to listen, we need to pay attention. But when it says things two times, and it repeats itself, we need to pay very close attention. Do you see the phrase that's repeated twice? He repeats it in verse 21 and in verse, the end of verse 22. All things belong to you. What's he saying there? He says, you own this thing. You own this thing. You own it. You have ownership of this thing. And what is it we own? He says, uh, first is, he says, the world. Psalms 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns this world that we live in. We think we own it. Realtors think they're selling it. Yeah, they're exchanging deeds back and forth and they're making payments on land. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the earth is the Lord's. It is his. And then it says, uh, and, and, and it's his, because it's his world, it's going to be our world one day. It's going to be ours one day when we, when we live with him throughout eternity in the new heavens and the new earth and even in the millennial kingdom. Second thing there, he says, uh, talking about what we own, he says, the world or life. Do you understand? Gosh, we got to get this. Do you understand who's living inside of you? Who's living inside of you? God, the creator of the universe, the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside your heart. And I like to say that song by, um, I forgot who sings it, uh, that song, Roaring Like a Lion. And he's roaring like a lion from the inside. He dwells inside of us. We own this thing. He's given us the world. He's given us eternal life. And look at there. How about this one? In verse 22. Death. He said, all things belong to you. In verse 21 and verse 22. And he says, the world or life or death. You know, my grandparents passed away last year. It was a very painful experience. I spent a lot of time crying. You know, I got a friend of mine, Bobby, I posted on Facebook yesterday. Me and Irene's longtime friend. He's, uh, he's, 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 unless the Lord just supernaturally heals him, he, he may go to be with the Lord in the next couple months. Um, but it says, it says here, that we own this, we, we own death, even for the, okay, let me go back to my thought. Go back to my thought. It's painful, it stings. It hurts. I cry at death. But at the end of the day, we understand this, that even death serves the believer. The death will be the one that escorts us to where? To heaven. 
to glory. It will serve us. It will be the one. It, it serves us. Through the pain, through the heartbreak, we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And even death serves the believer. The challenge to you today is this. Every day is an investment. Every day is an investment. What are you building your life on? Let's commit to building our life on gold, silver, and precious metals, which is faithfulness to the Lord and serving him and loving him because he's been so awesome and so amazing. You know, um, that's what it's all about is, is, is living for him and serving him and serving people in the church, in our community, in our neighborhood, and, and, and building relationships. I, I'm, I'm meeting about once a month with the, uh, the principal of the school, and we're coming up with plans on how us as Calvary Chapel Irmo can help Lexington School District 5 with some ministry outreaches for, um, for students and the teachers. So you're going to be hearing some things come out over the next couple months. Um, but we want to do it on gold, silver, and precious metals. We want to reach out to them in the name of Christ and minister to them to build that bridge so we can reach more people in this community. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this truth of the judgment seat of Christ. Um, if we're in Christ, there's no fear. There's a joyful expectation that we look forward to. But Father, if there be anyone here that in their heart of hearts says, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm even in Christ. I pray even this morning that they will simply pray to receive you as their Lord and Savior. I, I don't know your hearts, but if just look at me for a moment. If you're here and you're not, it's like this. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I've broken your law, and I admit it. Please forgive me. And Lord Jesus, please come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. That's what it is. There's no confessionals. There's no nothing. It's receiving him as your Lord and Savior and letting him begin to work in your life. Father, if there be anyone here, I pray that you'll give them the courage to call out to you.
time, purify my heart. as gold and precious silver purify my heart let me be as gold pure gold church right now, your words, so that it's you who work in us to will and desire to do your purpose. So may the Lord work in you this week and your lives so you would have his will and his desires in your heart. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on